Well, this morning, we're continuing in our uh, series in Matthew. We're in the book of Matthew. And again, if you're visiting, you have arrived at the date of chapter 15. And this is such a beautiful text. It's a difficult text. And uh, it is just, that is what life is about, isn't it? It's just difficulty and beauty all wrapped up in one. And, And our text does just that. But before I get there, if you have a brown Bible, there, there may be one in front of you. You could grab that. I love the sound of Bible pages turning. That just sounds so good. We're on page 797. And uh, before we go there, I, I want to share a story as way of, uh, by way of introduction. Um, and I think this, this story will tie well to our text this morning. So before we get there, I want to tell a quick story about uh, the love of my wife, my wife, Julie Bobbile. We've been married 18 years. We just celebrated that 18th anniversary this past Sunday. And uh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. Praise God. It just amazes me when I'm in a setting like this, any worship setting, and I see, I know it's coming right away. I know Julie's going to get up. She's going to put her hands up and then... It, it, does that mean now I got to get up too? And people wonder if I got to get up. I know it's going to happen. But it's interesting that 23 years ago, that would not be the case. My wife was in a very difficult place in her life. She was struggling as a single mother, um, strung out on crack, um, an alcoholic, um, and about to lose her kids. At the time, she had two, two kids, about to lose her kids, and her life was just a mess. And one afternoon, after an all-night binger, uh, she had woke up feeling like her body was literally shutting down. Like she had partied so much and drank so much, or it, it, it felt like her system was shutting down. And the Lord was gracious enough to kind of show herself to herself, and she could see the mess that she had made of her life. Now, leading up to that, she is a friend of hers that had been telling her about a church that he went to. And that morning, when she woke up, she felt like, if I, if I can get to that church, if I can get to that church, maybe God, this God that they've been talking about can, can help me. And so she headed out the door. It was probably late afternoon by the time she woke up from the night before. Still smelling like cigarette smoke and putting on her sunglasses because the sun is just hitting so hard from the hangover. Now on the way there, her next tell, that's a sentence you guys have probably never heard before, some of you. Her next tell is, is tweeting and beeping, whatever it was. With friends, you know, asking her, where, where's the party at tonight? Where, where are we hanging out tonight? But she was determined to get to church that day. And so she got there. And upon entering the church, immediately an usher lady approached her, welcomed her, brought her into the church and sat her down. Some of you ushers here today, you need to... Think again about that role you play, that first invitation. Sat her down and 
the music started to just come forth and people are worshiping and praising God and the voice in her head comes flooding in. It's too late for you. It's, it's too late. God, God doesn't want anything to do with the mess that you created in your life. This is all you. This is what you've created, and now you need to sit in it and lie in it. There's no hope for you. Some of you may be familiar with that voice or even hearing that voice now. And so she couldn't take it. She couldn't, she couldn't take the conviction and shame. And so she got up right away and tried to make a beeline for the door. But that usher lady was watching her, Pastor Tom. She was watching her. And so she ran up. Excuse me, miss. Excuse me, miss. Excuse me, miss. And my wife is just in tears and trying to hide her face said, it's too, it's too late. You don't understand. I, I've made a mess of my life. It's, it's too late for me. But this lady, this usher lady, she knew who the God of the Bible was. And she could easily say so quickly, it's never too late. See, she knew who the, who the God of the Bible was. She knew who Jesus was. And so shortly after that, she took her aside to a side room somewhere in the church and began to share the gospel with her. This woman was a woman who had great faith. And knew that even in desperate moments when it seems like all hope is lost, God is able to do great things. This is the God that we serve. And this is the God that we're going to see in our text this morning. Now we had just left last week. We had just left Jesus. He's, he's with his disciples and he's upsetting some folks. He's upset the Pharisees with some things that he had said. And the disciples said to him, you offended those guys back there. You offended them with what you're saying. They don't like what you're saying. And so Jesus takes a few moments to, to teach a lesson and he does that and we heard that last week. And now they're on the move again, and they move to a different region. They move to, to a region of Tyre and Sidon. And in this place, this will be a place where we could say there was some, some tensions. There's some tensions there. It's a place where a good Jew probably wouldn't go to hang out and make friends. It was a place where maybe a Jew didn't belong and people didn't belong. and Surely wouldn't have been a place where you would see the God of Israel healing people. But there's a woman that who had, just like that usher lady, had heard about a man named Jesus. She heard that this man named Jesus was doing some strange things. And could it be that this man is special? A Messiah, someone who could heal 
people. And that would be just what this woman needed because her daughter, it says, is severely oppressed by a demon, suffers terribly, and she's crying out. She's crying out, son of David, son of David, will you have mercy on me? Heal my daughter. Jesus would respond, I haven't been called to, I've only been called to the lost sheep of Israel. But she perseveres. She keeps talking and keeps yelling. So much so that the disciples are now saying, Lord, Lord, could you just shut this woman up somehow? Could you heal her and send her away? She's making too much. You're causing a commotion here. You ever been with someone in a place that's kind of loud and making some noise and you just want them to shut up? Jesus now enters pagan territory where a woman came to him. Matthew's use of the old term Canaanite shows that he cannot forget her ancestry. She's a descendant of Israel's ancient enemy, and she's coming to the Jewish Messiah for blessing. Her calling Jesus, son of David, shows recognition of Jesus as someone special or who could heal someone. Matthew's Jewish readers would be intensely interested in Jesus doing a miracle to aid a Gentile on Gentile territory. And this morning, we too should be intensely curious as to how this desperate outsider has learned the secret of having great faith. If you're here this morning and your faith feels weak. If you're here this morning and you feel like an outsider, if you're here this morning and you have no faith at all, this message is for you. Here's our first takeaway for today. Don't let Jesus' silence keep you from crying out. He wants to hear your voice. I said it in the last service, I'll say it again. He wants to hear your voice. That, I, I love that, the fact that the God of the creator, the creator, the God of the universe wants to hear my voice. Make it personal. Jason Bobbile, he wants to hear Jason Bobbile's voice. He wants to hear your voice. Don't let Jesus' silence keep you from crying out. Verse 21, page 797. We're going to walk through this and, and just try to see these, these points one at a time. I have four of them for you. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to a region of Tyre and Sodom. A Canaanite woman... from that vicinity, came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffers terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out to us. 
The term son of David is important because it gives us insight into how this woman has found faith. However, before we go there, we must address the elephant in the room. Jesus did not answer her a word. That should be interesting to you this morning. He did not answer her a word. This phrase should cause feelings of frustration and confusion, maybe even anger, especially if you've been crying out and praying to Jesus for a long time. He didn't answer her a word. He remained silent. It appears, and that's an important word right there, it appears Jesus, God in the flesh, is ignoring the cries of a woman because of her ethnicity. We need to slow down here for a moment and pay close attention to what is happening. This poor woman is crying out in desperation to the creator of the universe over her child who is severely oppressed by Satan. And his disciples are filling the silence by begging Jesus to send her away. This does not sound like the kind and merciful Jesus that we're used to hearing about. Jesus doesn't say a word. Do you feel that in your life this morning? Jesus doesn't say a word. Do you feel that in your life this morning? See, we don't have to go way back to Tyre and Sinan to hear the cries of the people this morning. Your prayers for your marriage, struggling in your marriage. Is he silent in that? Has he been silent in that? Why doesn't she love me anymore? Why is she leaving? And why doesn't he care like he used to care? Silence. Or maybe it's the child that's strung out on alcohol or drugs or whatever that may be, the the addiction that is ravaging your home and your family. Why doesn't he speak to that? Why is he silent? Why doesn't Jesus say a word in our lives? Or maybe it's depression. Some of you may have a hard time even coming into a setting like this because there are so many people. Some of you might have just stayed inside yesterday in a dark room and, and watched Netflix and whatever that may be because you're riddled with depression and you're crying out. But why is God silent? These are some real pains and some real issues that are in the lives of the people right here right now and it may appear that Jesus has been silent but desperation has a strange way of producing hope doesn't it 
when you're desperate and you hear some glimmerings or some, 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 some small morsels of hope, some, some small uh, rays of light that maybe there's hope around the corner if I can just get to. And that's where this woman is at. She's heard that this Jesus can heal. Jesus' silence does not quiet the woman. And she's still crying out for help. So his disciples beg him to stop her persistent cries, probably by meeting her requests. Some interpretations would say that it, it wasn't that they wanted her to just be sent away, but, but maybe, maybe they wanted her to be healed so that she could, he, she could leave and she would stop crying out and making all this racket. They just want her to go. This interpretation seems to make sense because in verse 24, he answered, I was not sent. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Once again, Jesus is laying down another roadblock in front of her faith. And here it even, it's even more explicit. It's due to her ethnicity. See, there's some insiders and some outsiders here. Which one are you this morning? Do you feel like an outsider this morning? And is God silent in that cry? Jesus makes it clear that she's an outsider and doesn't have the right to the covenantal blessing. And that's a big churchy word, covenantal blessing. That means that at this point, it's only reserved for God's people would be the Jewish people, the children of Israel. It's for them. And if you're outside of that, you don't have the, the right to come in. That seems strange to say because we live in an age where we have diversity coaches and, you know, it's all about being diverse and in inclusive. But this just seems like there's some inclusivity happening here. We've seen this before in John Chapter 4, 21 through 23, it'll be up on the screen here. Uh, Jesus is talking to a pagan woman, someone that would be deemed an outsider, a Samaritan. And this is what he says, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking. But what if the disciples are only asking Jesus to send her away, send her away without meeting her requests? What if they just want this pagan woman to leave? What if out of their, out of their sinfulness, they're being insensitive and cruel and even racist? Have you ever experienced this? 
Have you ever been made to feel like an outsider by religious people? The ones who are supposed to be demonstrating the love of God and reflecting his character? Have you ever been made to feel that way? Do you feel like an outsider this morning? Or to make it worse, have you ever been made to feel like an outsider by the people that are supposed to love you? If you have, then you can certainly relate to this woman this morning. Here's my second point. Don't allow people or the culture around you to keep you from coming to Jesus. Never give up. We must persevere. An outsider. I can, I can relate to that outsider feeling. I can, Rachel. I'm talking to my daughter right now. I can, Rachel. I can, I can relate to that. Feeling like an outsider. I grew up my whole life feeling like an outsider. Number one, my, my dad is black, my mother's white, and we grew up from elementary age. We were in a predominantly white neighborhood. I felt like an outsider. Back then, I had hair time. I couldn't get none of the haircuts everyone else around me had. They had spiky hair with moose. I, I had none of that. I had, you know, some grease with a jerry curl looking at it. I felt like an outsider. Do you know what it feels like to feel like an outsider? We, I need to build that up because you need to feel the tension and in the, in, in the pain in this text here. You need to feel it because that's what this woman is carrying to Jesus. We can't just read the story and that's a nice story. No, these are real people with real lives just like you and me. And so I said I, I grew up feeling like an outsider. And this was decades ago. I use that word decade because it sounds longer. I actually read somewhere that if you use that word decade, it sounds longer, make you, well, anyways. I was so excited. I had just gotten, it was regularly, just started going to church regularly. I'm saved and I'm just ready to be at every church service there was. I was such an annoying Christian because I was just, oh, let me just get there. Let me do the praise and worship. I was doing a little dance, everything. I was, I was ready. And my mom was so excited that, that I was going to church now. And so, you know, I asked her if, 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 you know, I could go to church with her and grandma. My mom was living with my grandmother at the time. And I asked, could I grow? And she's like, yeah, she was excited that I asked. And so I'm just looking forward to this. It's Friday night. I call and just want to make sure, you know, what time do I need to be there? Where's this church located? And I call and she says, you know what? Uh, grandma's not feeling well. We're not going to go to church. Oh, okay. Well, can I pray for her? <laughs> Let me pray for you know, doing virtual signaling, signaling or whatever we saw last, last week. Anyways. And so, you know, I go on the next work week. I'm doing my thing. Friday, Friday night comes around Saturday night. I call. Okay, what time do I need to be there? I'm ready. 
And again, another excuse. Oh, grandma said, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Okay, all right, we'll do it next week. I'm still, I still got some hope. I'm still all right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to make it through this. Next week comes. Same thing, I call. And there's another excuse. And this time, my mother must have, she must have felt the disappointment in my voice. Because she said, look, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Grandma said that there's no way she's walking into church with a black man. And I, 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 I didn't really know what to, to think of that. Well, now all my life growing up, like I said, my background being biracial, I had been called so many names. I've been called the N-word so many times by parents and people and all this stuff. I just, you know, but I had thought now I'm in church. Now I'm in church. This, 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 these people know God. There's no way that, that a phrase like that could come out. And, but it did. And that should feel heavy in here this morning. This text is a heavy text. There's someone being treated like an outsider. There's someone being treated like they were not made in the image of God. Verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. That's a good prayer to pray right there. That's when you know, Brian, you, you know that you're connecting with God when, you're, when your prayers are very short and to the point. Lord, help me. I know this, I might not be in the club and, and speak all the right terms, and I, I, I know it, it, it seems like I shouldn't be here, but I need your help. Is that you this morning? This woman knelt before Jesus and cried as only a mother with an afflicted child could, Lord, help me. This is a prayer only deep pain can conjure up. It can't be faked. It's a deep cry of the soul and it's birth through faith. It's a person's recognition of their desperate need for help from their creator. That's, I, she, she, she couldn't just go to Spectrum Health or Butterworth and bring her child there. There, there weren't all the, 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 the counseling places and all these different things that she could have a resource to her. She had to go to the living God. She had to know and have, had, would have heard that this Jesus was healing people, that he was doing something. And maybe, just maybe, 
he might be able to help me in my family. Lord, help me. As a Christian, once you experience this type of cry to the Lord and he answers, your walk with him will never be the same. When you meet someone who has been able to cry out desperately for God to move in their life and he does it, they're different people. They pray different. They don't leave when they're supposed to leave. They know the role that God wants to play in their lives. And they continue to move towards him no matter what. This leads to our third takeaway this morning. Learn to accept God's word in your life without taking offense. This is, this is so huge in this text here. Learn to accept God's word in your life without taking offense. Verse 26, he replied, it is, not, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus' response sounds harsh with what seems to be a racial slur, but Jesus made certain that she grasped the historic distinction between Jew and Gentile. Jesus' short maxim supposes that the children are the people of Israel and the dogs are the Gentiles. His concern is one of precedent. The children get fed first. So this dog phrase here, being called a dog, if you, you look in different commentaries, you're going to see different things. In fact, I see Jim out there. We sat in his office talking about this. You're going to see different, different uh, interpretations of this. Some would say that this dog referred to a, 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 a small pet. And, you know, it wasn't so bad that he was saying it. And some would say, no, this is a dog. That Gentiles back then would be referred to as scavengers, dogs. But I would say regardless, whether it's a small pet or a vicious dog, a scavenger, it's still a dog. It's still not human. It's still not addressing someone for what they were created to be, and that's an image bearer, one that would reflect who God is. It's still a difficult phrase, regardless. But yet, this is what we have in our text this morning. This woman is now fully immersed in an up-close and personal conversation with the living God of Israel, God in the flesh. Her comeback to Jesus is masterly. She doesn't take offense at Jesus' words. We take offense at Jesus' words all the time. Matter of fact, as Christians, we're often scared to say anything because if we say it, it's going to bring offense. But this woman believes that this may be the God of Israel, the creator of heaven and earth. And she's smart enough to realize whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. If I got to be a dog or whatever that may be, so be it. 
I need you to heal my daughter. She does not argue that her need makes her an exception, that she has a right to Israel's covenantal, there's that big word again, mercies, or that the mysterious ways of divine election, another big word there, and justice are unfair. She simply asks for help. See, that's what we as Christians really should be telling the world and making it real simple and easy. Just simply ask him for help. He wants to help us. He wants to move in our lives. But it seems we put up all these barriers for people. From our language to outfits to where you should be to all what family you're in, all these different things. This woman realizes that she can come to him and ask for help. Do you this morning Our fourth and final takeaway on how to have great faith. We need to know who the God of the Bible is and what he has promised us. You need to know who he is. Jesus now responds to her with emotion. Verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is huge for us today. This is huge. And we can just skim by this so easily. There was a time when we wouldn't, as Gentiles, people, non-Jews, we wouldn't be able to come into God's presence in this way. The God of Israel is extending grace and kindness to the outsider. She didn't need to pray a certain prayer or sign a card. The Lord extended his unmerited grace and healing to this woman because she believed he was who she had heard he was. Have you heard about who God is? Do you know why he's come? Do you know his purposes? Do you know his purpose for your life this morning? She heard about the God of the Bible. This is how you can come. This is how you can have great faith. You know the God of the Bible. So when Jesus is silent about your struggle in marriage and you don't know what to do, you can trust in the God of the Bible. And you need to know the God of the Bible. When your kids seem to be drifting further away from God, you don't quit, you don't give up. You need to believe in the God of the Bible. When your child is strung out on drugs and you don't know what to do and you're ready to give up all hope, when you feel alone and no one's calling to check on you and see how you're doing, 
especially religious people. You need to believe in the God of the Bible. We don't quit. When the depression has such a tight hold and grip on you and you're ready to quit, you're ready to give up, we don't. We believe in the God of the Bible. But here's the thing about that and and his promises. In order for him to show himself faithful to you in his promise, you have to know his promise. You you have to know it. That's why this word is so powerful that I can read it and I can see. Look what he did for her in her life. Why wouldn't he do that in my life? This whole Bible is riddled with that. Examples of a living God moving on behalf of his people and bringing about healing and restoration. We look at this and we say, Lord, do it in my life. Do it in my life. Don't be silent anymore. Move in my life. I don't want to be an outsider no more. He wants to meet us there right where we're at. This is the hope of the gospel. This is why the gospel is so beautiful. Is that in spite of me, in spite of me and all my mess, and I got a bunch of mess, Pastor Tom. I got a bunch of mess in my life. I got garbage and baggage that I'm working through, but yet God loves me right where I'm at. That's amazing. And I don't deserve it. And there was a time where I really didn't deserve it. Just because of my ethnicity, what I wasn't born into, but now because of the blood of Christ, because of the cross, this is why the cross is so important and central, and we can't just just pass by it so quickly. It's because of that cross, because of what Jesus has done, that I can even stand in his presence now. That's amazing. That should be all I have to say to get some people happy in this church today. The fact that he loves you in spite of you. That he died on the cross, that he suffered to bring the outsider in is so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And we have to hear it daily. We need to be reminded of his love for us, of this gospel daily. And if you're here this morning and you feel like an outsider, especially, and I'm just, especially if you're here this morning and you're struggling, I, I just feeling I needed to say this. If you're struggling even in your sexuality, if you're struggling in that area and you're here in a church and you feel like you're an outsider and you don't belong in this. This is what this gospel is for. It can create a place for you where you do belong. And you begin to work through all the difficulty and the struggle of what it means to now be a disciple and to follow his way for your life. There's hope for each of us 
at the foot of the cross. Amen? We don't need to be outsiders. No one sitting in this room needs to be an outsider any longer because of what Jesus has done. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he amazing? He is so good. His name is Jesus, and he's here this morning to meet every care and concern. Will you cry out for help this morning to him? The God of the Bible has sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that we can receive healing and be brought into the family of God as heirs with Christ. We have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Will you draw near to him today? There's a verse in Romans chapter 10, 17. It says, so faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. You want to build more faith? Begin to hear about what Jesus Christ has done and what he wants to do in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you for your spirit that is present here and how you want to heal some people. You want to work in the hearts of your people this morning. And Lord, some of us had said some things and done some things to people we had deemed the outsider. And we're sorry, Lord. We're sorry for that. And some of us have been crying out to you night and day and for years, months. And Lord, we, 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 we just feel like you're just silent and you don't care. Lord, we ask forgiveness for that. Some of us here this morning are just coming off bad diagnosis and health concerns. And Lord, we need you to come and heal us. Lord, we need your peace and we need your grace. Lord, we need help in our marriages. We need help in every area of our lives. We need you, even if we know it or not. And so Holy Spirit, would you come now? Touch your people. Fill our hearts. May we experience your grace and your mercy upon our lives. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done on our behalf. We love you, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.